you would please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, there should be some of the chairs in front of you, and we're on page 983 in there. And let me, let me encourage you to, 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 to locate a copy of the Scriptures. Look on with someone. You know, I, I never knew how to follow a sermon until I realized, oh, that's what he's talking about. He's reading out of the Bible. So look at the Scriptures, please, this morning. And also, if you have your bulletin handy, look at those membership vows going to make reference to those in the sermon. Colossians chapter 1, a short passage for us to study this morning. Colossians 1, verses 21 through 23. This is God's holy word to us this morning that if you look beforehand follows this wonderful passage on the preeminence of Christ. And now Paul says to the church in Colossians and God's word says to us, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Lord, we thank you for the promise that it pierces to the hearts, through joints and marrow, that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts and minds. Lord, please, by it, pierce our hearts, change our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love these Sundays that we accept new people into the church family, into membership. If you think about it, it's like the birth of a new child. Whenever you have a new addition into the family, there's a lot to be thankful for and to celebrate, is there not? Today, we brought new people into our church family, and their acceptance into this church was confirmed by their willingness to affirm the vows that you see printed there in the bulletin. And in fact, we had two baptisms. Praise God for that. But these vows are not just for those who are new to church membership. They're for all of us to reflect, and to remember what Christ has done for us and what we are called to be for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, in fact, what Paul is doing here in this passage, here in this encouragement to the local church in Colossae. And that's good for us to remember this morning that this, in fact, is a a letter. It's called an epistle, a pastoral epistle written by Pastor Paul to the local church there in Colossae. He wanted to remind them of who Christ is And what he had done in their lives and how that should affect the way they live. So again, before we look at this passage in in greater detail, that's just, again, good for us to remember. This is a a personal letter written to real people in a real local church. Scholars believe that this local church was gathered in the home of Philemon. 
They hadn't built buildings or maybe they weren't inhabiting synagogues at this point. So the local church met in homes. And so this is where this letter would have been read. And this is where the people of God would have been encouraged at that time. So it's very important for us to remember when reading the pastoral epistles that they were written to real people, again, in a real local church who had real life circumstances going on. They were a congregation just like us that existed some 2,000 years ago. And so it's good for us, Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, to read and study these words because we too are a local church a community of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, striving to worship and serve and glorify God with our lives. And so, let the Apostle Paul be your pastor for a moment this morning. Let the Apostle Paul's words encourage you. Pretend that he's not only writing to the Colossians, but he's writing to you and to me and to all of us here at Cornerstone this morning. With that in mind, what what good word What good word do we need to take away from this pastoral instruction? What what reminders are there for us here this morning? Primarily, I think the good word that we need to be reminded of this morning is the gospel. It's the gospel. This passage before us are gospel reminders. We need a refresher course on what the, the gospel is and what it does in our lives. What we need to preach to ourselves every day is the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was reminding the Colossians here of what it means to be affected by this gospel, what it means to be born again. In other words, what does it mean to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and how should be a follower, how should being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ change the way that you live? This is especially a good word today for any of you who are trying to figure it all out. Maybe you're here this morning and you have no idea where to begin. You have no idea where to start. You have have no idea what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church is confusing to you. What does it mean to follow Jesus with your life? What, What does all this mean? If that's where you are this morning, I think you're in the right place. And I hope that you will hear these words of instruction because this passage before us today is going to put you on a path. It's going to help guide you on how to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means to be a member of the local church. And so before we get to this passage in more detail today, if you look back at the previous passage, verses 15 through 20 in Colossians 1, Again, a very magnificent description of who Jesus is and what he has done. And we studied a few weeks ago how he is, he is much greater, he is much bigger than we could ever imagine or fathom. So we were taught who Jesus is and what he has done, but our passage before us today will actually tell us who we are, who we are and what we are called to be in Jesus Christ. And so coincidentally, And I promise you I didn't plan it this way, but the Holy Spirit did. Uh, The outline of our passage will follow the first three questions in our membership vows. So I want you to see how those compare here in a moment as we work our way through these just three verses. And so that's why I'd invite you to have your bulletin out as we do so. 
And so again, this small passage after the magnificent teaching on the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ provides for us gospel reminders here. And there are three reminders given to us. The first is who we once were. The second is who we are now. And the third is what we are called to be. Who we once were, who we are now, and what we are called to be. So first, who we once were in verse 21. Who we once were apart from Jesus Christ. The first gospel reminder is who we once were apart from a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses three descriptions to paint this picture of who we once were apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says alienated, hostile in mind, evil in deeds. Let's look at these three things briefly. Paul reminds the Colossians and again us that they were alienated. They were strangers to God. In other words, they were not Jews. They had no birthright to the covenant of promise. In Ephesians that we read earlier in our scripture reading in the service, Paul describes this alienated from God as being darkened in their understanding. Alienated from a life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Jesus even said that we were alienated from the Father and that no one can come to the Father except through me. And so the the truth, the reminder that Paul wanted to give them here was that apart from Jesus Christ, they were alienated from God. He goes on to describe that they were hostile in mind. This phrase means that they were in fact enemies of God. There was no neutrality for them apart from Jesus Christ. They were, in fact, an enemy of God. And this description harkens back to Genesis 6. Before God flooded the world, it says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Hostile in mind, enemies of God. Apart from Christ, we are, in fact, enemies of God. And then thirdly, he says there that apart from Christ, they were evil in their deeds. They, I think we all instinctively know that the, the practice of evil is contrary to being a Christian. But the Bible takes this a step further and says that even our best deeds, our our good deeds that we think we can bring before a holy God and earn his righteousness, the Bible says in Isaiah, our righteousness is like filthy rags. That apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, even our righteousness is filthy rags before God. So this reminder is not just for the Colossians, it's for all of us, right? Again, in Ephesians, Paul says the same thing, that we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so that's why this is the very first question that is asked of those who want to join this church and take the membership vows. Do you acknowledge yourself to be a sinner? We could substitute in their children of wrath, but that would probably make people, whoa, (laughs) You acknowledge yourself to be hostile in mind and alienated from God, doing evil deeds. 
justly deserving his displeasure without hope save in his sovereign mercy. That's why we start there. In other words, you acknowledge that this is who you are apart from the saving mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. This gospel reminder, this truth that's being taught here, that we are sinners, alienated from God, hostile to God, evil in our actions, we need to be reminded of. It's beyond our capability to make things right. Something outside ourselves must rescue us from our plight. We are without hope if it were not for God's saving mercy. I imagine that there are some of you here this morning who read these words from the Apostle Paul, hostile in mind, alienated, doing evil deeds. And you can remember a time in your life where you were like, yep, that was me. That was the way I was living. It was rough. Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing me and and saving me from that. If that is you this morning, then you know very well what it means to be rescued, for Jesus to come work his sovereign mercy in your life. But then, I'm sure there's also a great number of you this morning who, who grew up in a Christian home, or maybe if you didn't grow up in a Christian home or in the church, you grew up in a good environment. Your parents were nice. They taught you to... Say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and say, you know, give thanks at the dinner table. You grew up in a nice home, and there's nothing in particular in your, in your past that you can point to and go, whew, that was evil. And the, and the point of this is not for you to go, like, searching back through the, you know, the, the search history of your life, your files, and go try to find something evil or something not good and say, Lord, thank you for rescuing me. No, these words are meant to show you that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we are lost without hope. Just because you cannot remember a time of being apart from Jesus Christ, that's not the point. The point is, imagine what life would be like for you without Jesus. Think about that. Where would you be right now in your life if Christ had not come? and saved you. We need to remember who we are apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to the second reminder here, who we are now in Christ in verse 22. We read, but now, one of those great transitions in the Bible, one of those, one of those great conjunctions, if you will, but now, the second reminder found in verse 22 is that those who are now in Christ, for those who have repented And believed in the Lord Jesus Christ are now called reconciled and holy. That's what he says there in verse 22. But now he has reconciled you. This word is in direct contrast to that word alienated. No longer are we alienated, but we are reconciled. We looked at this word in verse 20. It's the great work of God to reconcile all things to himself in the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus has brought peace between God and man. Jesus has brought good where there was once evil. And the good news of the gospel is that those who are in Christ are reconciled. Again, we are no longer alienated from God. In Christ, 
you can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his glorious light. And reconciliation, it was only possible, it's only possible because of the bodily sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Lamb of God who was slain. So what a great reminder it is that the reconciliation between God and man, it was not our own doing. It was God in Christ who reconciled us to himself. It is by grace you have been saved. And so now instead of being alienated and hostile and evil in Christ, we are now called in here holy, blameless, above reproach. These descriptions teach that we are now innocent. We are free from accusation. We have now been justified before a holy God. And this truth, again, is expounded in Ephesians 2 by the Apostle Paul when he says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. And then there's that other great reminder in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is the good news that we affirm in that second membership vow. If you'll look there. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is freely offered in the gospel? It is only by the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can be saved. If you are in Christ, you are now saved. Paul reminds the Colossians they are free from condemnation, no longer enemies of God. We are, in fact, his children. And so instead of standing before a holy God in, the, in, our, in our, our, our filthy rags of pretend righteousness, we now stand and are presented before the holy God as holy and blameless and above reproach, not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is that great truth that is summed up in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is who you are now in Christ. This is good news. In Christ, you are now reconciled, holy, and righteous. The third and final reminder that we are given in this passage is what we are called to be in Christ. In verse 23, we are called to be faithful in Christ. After reminding them of who they were apart from Christ and who they are now in Christ, Paul challenges the Colossians to continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Their new life in Christ is now that call to faithfulness. What is in view here is that God's sovereign grace in our lives it does not absolve human responsibility. We are called to trust in Christ and to be faithful and follow him. And this is why Paul warns them not to shift away from the hope of the gospel. 
They're going to be false teachers. They're going to be influences. There's going to be other things that are going to come in and try to move you away from the truth of the gospel. And so he's warning them about that. Maybe there was not some particular false teaching that we can point to that the Colossian church was subject to believing. But in the normal Christian life, we all have this experience, right? In just normal living, there will always be outside forces. There will always be internal struggles. There will always be worldly influences that try to undermine the gospel. And therefore, we need to be on our guard and steadfast in the truth of the gospel. The gospel was made very plain to them. It's repeated even here. They heard it. They were taught it. They knew it. And so Paul challenges them, continue in the faith. Remain stable and steadfast and do not shift away from the truth of the gospel. And this is the danger that we now too face as a church, right? I mentioned this a few times already in Colossians. How much pressure that the church is coming under right now to compromise on the gospel. How even some churches have gone apostate and they have forsaken the inerrancy of scriptures. There's been compromise on the biblical view of marriage and sexual identity. We must not waver on these things. We must continue in the truth of the gospel. And this relates directly to that third membership vow. If you look there, this is what Paul was encouraging them in in verse 23 and what we must now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that we will endeavor to live as becomes a follower of Christ. So that's the question for us. Will we be faithful to Christ? to the gospel of course we can't do this ourselves we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that God has given to us to help us to live out our calling to be faithful stable and steadfast may God help us to stay true to the gospel what is Paul main what is his main point in these words of encouragement and these reminders It is the gospel. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And these are good news reminders for us. That the gospel is what keeps us faithful and steadfast and stable. It is the gospel that will one day bring us before God the Father and we will be presented before him as holy, spotless, and blameless because we are in Christ. But until that day, until that day, may the Lord find us faithful by loving his gospel. Let us love this gospel by encouraging one another with it every day. Let's not get tired of learning and reading and singing about the gospel. Let us sing about the gospel over and over and over. Let us Proclaim the amazing grace of God every day that he saved a wretch like you and me. Let us remember that we were once lost apart from Christ and now we have been found.
that we were blind, but now we see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that God has saved you and me because of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's praise him. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for these reminders. We, we need these reminders because we forget. Forgive us where we forget. Where we forget who we were apart from Christ. We forget to what extent you have shown your love for us by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Help us, Lord, to remember these things. Please strengthen us by the power of the gospel to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that we have heard, that has been proclaimed to us, that we believe. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your spirit that dwells in us and helps us to be faithful. Lord, help us to be faithful. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen.